0: Thursday, January 16th. I'm Martine Powers. This is an impeachment inquiry update from Post Reports. The hour of 12 noon having arrived and a quorum being present, the sergeant at arms will present the managers on the part of the House of Representatives. Even though it's only been a month or so since the impeachment vote, it feels like it's been forever and that we've been waiting a very, very long time for this trial to actually begin. I announced the presence of the managers on the part of the House of Representatives to conduct proceedings on behalf of the House concerning the impeachment of Donald John Trump, president of the United States. So around noon today, the House managers, the seven people who were chosen to represent the House in this impeachment trial, they were escorted into the Senate chambers by the sergeant-at-arms. The sergeant-at-arms will make the proclamation. And then the sergeant-at-arms does this thing where he says, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. All persons are commanded to keep silent on pain of imprisonment, while the House of Representatives, is exhibiting to the Senate of the United States... Articles of impeachment against Donald John Trump, President of the United States. And Representative Adam Schiff, who is leading the House managers, he went up to the lectern and basically read out the articles of impeachment. House Resolution 755. Impeaching Donald John Trump, President of the United States for high crimes
1: and misdemeanors.
0: So there are two articles of impeachment that were passed by the House. The first one is for abuse of power. And the second one is for obstruction of Congress. Articles of impeachment exhibited by the House of Representatives of the United States of America. And in the name just, of just itself, to be clear the president has the been America impeached but he will senate remain president, in office unless the folks in the senate decide that they are going to convict him of these charges and remove him from office so this is really the question underlying this impeachment trial is the president guilty of these charges and should he be removed from office that the house of representatives shall have the sole power of impeachment And then a little bit later on Thursday afternoon, you have the swearing in. So Chief Justice John Roberts, who came over from the Supreme Court, he is escorted in by four members of the Senate. He goes up to the front of the room, to the dais, and he is sworn in by Senator Chuck Grassley. Will you place your left hand on the Bible and raise your right hand? Do you solemnly swear? that in all things appertaining to the trial of the impeachment of Donald John Trump, President of the United States, now pending, you will do impartial justice according to the Constitution and the laws, so help you God. I do. And then Chief Justice John Roberts, in turn, is responsible for swearing in the rest of the Senate.
1: At this time, I will administer the oath to all senators in the chamber in conformance with Article 1, Section 3, Clause 6 of the Constitution and the Senate's impeachment rules. Will all senators now stand or remain standing uh, and raise their right hand? Do you solemnly swear that in all things appertaining to the trial of the impeachment of Donald John Trump, President of the United States, now pending, you will do impartial justice according to the Constitution and laws? So help you God.
0: And so each of the senators, they're called up to a book that is sitting in the middle of the Senate chambers, and they go up, they're called up in groups of four, and then each one signs their name to this book, saying that they vow to be impartial during this trial, as they will be acting as jurors, and that they will obey the rules of the Senate as this trial continues.
1: The clerk will call the names in groups of four, and senators will present themselves at the desk to sign the oath book.
0: And so it begins. Mr. Alexander. Ms. Baldwin. Mr. Barrasso. The impeachment trial of Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States. But even as the impeachment trial is getting underway in the Senate, there's still new evidence coming out about Trump's dealings with Ukraine.
1: So on Wednesday night, the House released a bunch of text messages uh, from this guy named Lev Parnas, who is an associate of Rudy Giuliani and was serving as essentially the link between Giuliani and people in Ukraine.
0: That's Paul Soni, national security reporter at The Post.
1: Initially, the House puts out a selection of his text messages and documents that he turned over. Then the following night, the House puts out a giant, more exhaustive accounting of all of his messages and documents.
0: And these texts and documents, many of them illustrate the inner workings of Rudy Giuliani's circle, including Lev Parnas, and their dealings in Ukraine.
1: And then he starts speaking publicly on MSNBC and CNN. The first thing I did is to introduce myself and tell him I'm here on behalf of Rudy Giuliani and the president of the United States. And I'd like to put you on speakerphone for you know to confirm him, which we did. We put Rudy on the phone. Rudy relayed to him, basically, that we were there on behalf of the president of the United States. That
0: you were there to speak on President Trump's
1: behalf. Correct. Exact, those exact words. So what you're seeing here is essentially right as the House is sending its charges to the Senate, a key witness, someone who knew a lot about what was going on and has documents and messages, suddenly all of that information is coming out and everyone is trying to digest it uh, just as we're going ahead and the senators are going to have to make a decision on whether or not to convict the president.
0: So before we go into what actually was in these documents, who is this guy, Lev Parnas, who is at the center of all this?
1: Lev Parnas was born in Odessa in Ukraine. He immigrated to the U.S. when he was three, and uh, he speaks Russian. And he sort of had this role of serving as Giuliani's envoy in Ukraine to sort of make the stuff happen because he speaks Russian. He he sort of built these relationships with Ukrainian prosecutors.
0: And he had a history of donating to the Trump campaign, right? Yes. So, so Giuliani just look over and like, this is obviously a guy who supports the president and he speaks Russian. Great. And he's
1: willing to pay me. <laughs> um, so, you know, Lev Parnas initially shows up out of kind of nowhere, giving a $50,000 donation a few days before the 2016 election to the Trump Victory Fund. And then starting in 2018, he and his business partner, Igor Fruman, start giving tons of donations, including a $325,000 donation from a fledgling energy business they were trying to start. And, And basically, the idea was, we will use these donations to get access to the American political elite around Trump. And as we gather those connections, that will give us sort of influence in Ukraine, political leverage in Ukraine, to maybe cut some sort of big deal, where we end up on the payroll of an oligarch and make tons of money. So, these there's these sort of two tracks. There's the political track and the business track for them. And they are totally intermingled. Lev... Essentially insinuates himself in the Trump elite by giving all of these donations, becomes friendly with Giuliani, eventually decides to pay Giuliani uh, for consulting and legal work, and also ends up serving as this link between Giuliani and what he wants to accomplish in Ukraine. And so it's a It
0: seems like a complicated relationship.
1: It's a complicated relationship, but I think it's actually if you look at how Rudy Giuliani operates, it might not be such an uncommon thing.
0: And it's worth pointing out that right now, Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman are in legal trouble.
1: They're in legal trouble. The Southern District of New York has a case against them on campaign finance violations alleging that they violated an array of laws when they were giving all of these donations. Some of the allegations are that Lev was giving donations in his name with eager's money, that they were giving donations in the name of their company even though the money was coming from somewhere else and they are they are in the place of having to defend themselves against these campaign finance allegations. They were also trying to start uh, some sort of cannabis company and they were also accused of giving money to various politicians and legislators in order to sort of Grease the wheels of that fledgling business.
0: So the fact that all these documents are now coming out related to this legal case, is this basically them throwing Trump and throwing Giuliani under the bus in, in an attempt to get some kind of plea deal?
1: So to be clear, Igor has not said or released anything. He hasn't given over any of his text messages or documents and he hasn't spoken publicly. And his lawyer says he doesn't plan to. So this is Lev essentially deciding that he wants to cooperate with Congress, wants to speak publicly, and presumably this is part of some sort of legal strategy in order to get a better outcome in the Southern District of New York. What that strategy is, is is sort of anyone's guess, because I don't know how much uh, his cooperation with Congress will matter in any sort of decisions that a judge makes.
0: So tell me more about what these these documents and this evidence that was released, what, what it actually says, what it actually reveals.
1: I guess— one of the, the storylines at the heart of this entire impeachment saga is the ousting of the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich. and she was in place uh, starting in 2016 up until when she was in fact ousted um, at the end of April, early May uh, last year. And what you see in these text messages is sort of the behind-the-scenes process by which left Parnas organizes the campaign against her. And so what he's doing is he's meeting Ukrainian officials, Looking them up with friendly right-wing conservative media outlets, planting statements about her in the U.S. press, and then contacting, you know, having contact with this Trump super PAC, America First, to make sure that those sort of smearing comments against her get liftoff in the U.S. And so some of the text messages are, you know, talking about whether— Donald Trump Jr. will tweet about her, and he in fact does tweet about her. Um, And then the president tweets about her. Uh, And so there was always a suspicion that the news stories he was helping gin up— There was some actual direct connection in them getting liftoff from the president and his son, which is really what ultimately built the pressure to oust the ambassador because there had been frustration among Rudy Giuliani and his associates that she wasn't being ousted even though Rudy kept asking and getting promises apparently from the president from Pompeo that she would be. And this finally, this sort of public pressure campaign is the straw that breaks the camel's back.
0: So, what else was in these documents?
1: There's a lot of text messages between Parnas and the Ukrainian prosecutors and former prosecutors who were cooperating in this effort, especially the top Ukrainian prosecutor, the prosecutor general, which is our, the equivalent of the attorney general of Ukraine at the time, Yuri Lutsenko. And you see how Lutsenko essentially is willing to do various things related to Biden and the Ukrainian gas company that Biden's son was working for announcements, investigations, so long as they get rid of the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Yovanovitch. He was a longtime enemy of hers. She had been criticizing his office um, essentially for corruption. And then you look at the text messages and you think, wow, you know, this does seem pretty untoward. Maybe her criticisms were valid.
0: So I think that one thing that I remember hearing a lot during the House impeachment hearings was Republicans basically coming to the defense of President Trump in firing Yovanovitch and basically saying, this is an ambassador. An ambassador serves the pleasure of the president. And if he didn't want her to be ambassador, it's within his right to fire her or to to put her in a different position. But what these documents provide evidence for is the idea that this wasn't just Trump thought that she was doing a bad job, that there is a relationship between Ukraine wanting her fired and people working behind the scenes to make that happen and to publicize this negative information about her in the U.S.
1: You know, it's one thing for the president to decide he wants a different ambassador. That is well within his rights. It's another thing for his personal lawyer to run a smear campaign against her um, and sort of uh, impugn her character and then build public pressure on the president to fire her. Those are sort of different things.
0: Another thing that we've heard in the defense of the president during the impeachment proceedings is the idea that he didn't really know what was going on, that, yes, Rudy Giuliani was doing some things behind the scenes, but that there's no evidence that that was directed by President Trump. How do these documents challenge that argument?
1: I think that argument was already specious from the beginning because Rudy Giuliani had said throughout the course of last year publicly that he was keeping Trump <laughs> informed of his actions in Ukraine. And this evidence suggests that is the case. You know, there are text messages between Rudy Giuliani and Lev Parnas where Rudy is saying, I have number one on it, which seems to be some sort of reference to Trump. There are certainly suggestions uh, throughout all of this documentation that Trump was being kept aware of what was going on. President Trump know exactly what was going on uh... he was aware of all my movements he, I wouldn't do anything without the consent of Rudy Giuliani or the president. Lev Parnas went on Rachel Maddow on Wednesday night and seems to have given an interview with Anderson Cooper that will air on CNN on Thursday night. And he is sort of trying to give context and making claims against both Giuliani and the president in these interviews.
0: I have no intent. I have no reason to speak to
1: any of these officials. I mean, they, they have no reason to speak to me. Why would President Zelensky's inner circle or minister of or for all these people or President Poroshenko? go meet with me. Among the claims are, you know, the extent to which President Trump was involved, um, what Bill Barr, the attorney general, was up to, what Mike Pence knew or didn't know.
0: So the fact that this evidence has now been released by the House, even though proceedings are now in the hands of the Senate, is any of this evidence going to be able to come out there? Is it going to be incorporated in part of the arguments that people make on the floor of the Senate? And have we heard specifically from any Republican senators about whether or not they would be interested in having this evidence aired and discussed during the trial?
1: So Susan Collins came out and said that she was sort of surprised that this was all coming out now. And she insinuated that the House had been holding them back. But as far as I understand, they actually hadn't been turned over to the House um, until very, very recently. Um, And that was a decision made by Parnas, Lev Parnas and his lawyer. And so how this is all going to be handled going forward in the Senate is, to be honest, I think unclear. We are in a very unique situation where we are proceeding with a trial when the rules of the trial are still being made, essentially behind closed doors among Republican senators. And so I don't really know, and I don't think anyone really knows how this evidence will play out in the Senate trial. What you can be sure of is that the Democratic impeachment managers, who essentially function as the prosecutors in a Senate trial, will be able to and will draw upon this evidence as they make their case. The House has said they are going to continue their investigation just because they've transmitted the articles of impeachment. It doesn't mean they can't still use their subpoena power and their investigatory powers to continue to try to get what they see as the truth out there.
0: Paul Sony covers national security for The Post. On Thursday, just as the proceedings in the impeachment trial were getting started, the federal watchdog known as the Government Accountability Office released important new findings. They determined that the White House did in fact violate federal law when it withheld security aid to Ukraine last year.
1: And these are their words. These are the words of the GAO. Faithful execution of the law does not permit the president to substitute his own policy priorities for those that Congress has enacted into law.
0: If you have a question about what's going on with the impeachment trial or how this whole process works, we want to hear from you. Record a voice memo with your name, where you live, and what your question is. Email it to postreports at washpost.com, and we'll try to answer it in an upcoming episode. That's it for this segment of Post Reports. Full episodes of our show come out every weekday afternoon. You can subscribe at postreports.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Martine Powers. Thanks for listening.